0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. 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 Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug's on Twitter, at Doug Branson, L-O-H. Nada on Twitter, at Nada the Scribe. And you can find the show handle on most social media platforms, at Locked on Hornets. Only me today, flying solo. Doug's probably eating a beef on Weck sandwich, which, by the way, Doug has been known for a lot of things on this show, mock drafts, bad food takes, which might be changed after some of the love that everybody has been giving him on Twitter. But Panthers Mafia, friend of the show, always appreciate his listens. He's tweeting at Doug. I know Patrick Connor, also a friend of the show, and we appreciate it. He's tweeting at Doug that he needs to try this thing out. And I believe Panthers Mafia did try it. I believe he, I saw him tweet at Doug and say, I had to get it. You no, know, it wasn't from Tavern on the Tracks, which is the place that Doug has to go get his fix, but that he had to get it himself. I mean, We're going to be the Locked On Beef on Weck Sandwich podcast. That's what we're going to be. <laughs> Everybody's trying it out now. We need to find some type of promotion. We need to find some endorsement somehow because of how much Doug has talked about it. And on Twitter, Doug said he ate one for lunch again yesterday after we got done recording the podcast. He ate one again. Usually, what Doug eats when I walk into the studio, he's eating like carrots. Oh, he he was eating for a long time turkey, and he was I think he was on a kick where he wasn't eating bread for a while. So he's just eating turkey and carrots. And there was that one time I told you I walked in where the beef sandwich came in with this bit in this big barbecue tub. It's always very weird when I'm going to walk in on Doug eating. We know about the popcorn and sour patch kids, which is just gross. It's just gross. It's what it is. But now there's finally a food take that everybody seems to be all about. And I got to, I, I mean, can't lie to you guys. I want to try it now, and I don't know if I've tried it. I feel like I've had a beef sandwich before, but that sounds very different to me. So I'm going to have to try that out, and it seems like you guys are embracing the fact that we have become more known for the sandwich than we have been for just talking about the Hornets and whatever the, else we, uh, whatever the hell else we talk about. We appreciate you doing this once again. So it's going to be a little bit of a different show today. We're, we're going to play you a, a ton of sound. Just all of the opinions that we've gotten from some of the analysts that we've either talked to on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, or I was able to collect some audio from the Wake Up Call. Sound from Paul Biancardi. Sound from Reed Forgrave of CBS Sports. Sound from Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated. We got some sound from some of the people that we did draft profiles from, and some of their podcasts. So we got a lot of sound today. I want to get to all of that. It's just going to be a, a big collage of sound bites. Is going to be today's show, and it's all to get you set for the nba draft tomorrow one more day before we sit tomorrow evening and see who the charlotte hornets take at number 12 see if they trade up trade back see what the hell the charlotte hornets do as well as all of these other teams i want to talk about something first though there was a big move made in the nba today how big you can decide for yourself but it does affect kimball walker to some degree And that's the thing that we always have to do, try to find a local angle on how this big move or how something in the NBA and the bigger landscape of things, how does it affect the Charlotte Hornets? And so the move that we saw today, we saw the Memphis Grizzlies trade Mike Conley Jr. to the Utah Jazz. Now, this is something that's been in the works for a long time. We know that the Jazz have been interested in Mike Conley. In fact, they tried to trade for him at the trade deadline but they just couldn't work out a deal and so the Grizzlies were able to get off of Marcus Gasol but they weren't able to get off of Mike Conley a lot of teams kind of criticized or a lot of analysts I should say kind of criticized the Grizzlies for not being able to get off of Mike Conley before the NBA trade deadline it just would have made more sense for him in a lot of people's minds but at least they get off of him now so the the trade is this they trade Mike Conley to the Utah Jazz for Grayson Allen Kyle Korver and Jay Crowder Also, the 23rd pick in tomorrow's draft and a future first round draft pick. The protection on that future first rounder, the Jazz will send a protected 2020 first round pick to the Grizzlies. That pick will convey as a late lottery pick in 2020 or 2021 or become a lightly protected pick from 2022 to 2024. So that deal will be complete on July 6th. That's funny how we're always going to pay attention to the date of when these deals take place now. Really, all the good GMs should have. It's just funny how we're, I feel like we're going to start emphasizing this because of the massive failure that Rob Polinka endured when getting what really was a fantastic player. Like, how many times are you ever going to say it's a massive failure for somebody to trade for Anthony Davis? And it, that's probably exaggerated. It's just, dude, how do you not know that you're, going to make this trade complete on July 30th so you have enough room to get another star. So you don't have to try to finagle the system enough to where you're just taking on second-round players and second-round contracts just so you have enough money to go after a third star. It's just so dumb. But anyway, so it's going to be completed on July 6th. Mike Conley going to go to the Utah Jazz. And the local angle here, of course, is that is one less team that's going to be interested in taking on Kimba Walker. And I feel like that was a team that we have discussed a decent amount. I don't know however much interest there was in the first place on Utah's front. I think that Utah was certainly in the running if they wanted a point guard. Utah was able to move on from Ricky Rubio. That's somebody that they're ready to move on from and go to another star point guard to try to pair with Donovan Mitchell. And I think Kimball Walker would have been a really good piece for them to pick up. You like that team. Donovan Mitchell, Kimball Walker, Rudy Gobert, Jingles. You like those guys, but you also like Mike Conley being over there as well. You don't have Mike Conley nearly as long as you would with Kimba Walker. You know, Presumably, if they would have gone after Kimba, then Kimba's going to sign the four-year max as much as they possibly could, get $140 million. But Mike Conley doesn't have to do that. The Utah Jazz don't have to do that with him, and therefore, they're going to sign the older point guard to less money. And maybe that works out for them for a little while. So that's just one angle to decide whether you would rather have Mike Conley for that team or Kimba Walker, Kimba, the better player for sure, but just interesting to see how they would like to go about it with the monetary scale. And so now that's one team that you can get rid of. They're not going to go after Kimba and Mike Conley and have Donovan Mitchell in the back or they're not going to have enough money. So now you don't have to concern yourselves with the Utah Jazz to take Kimba Walker away. I don't know how interested even Kimba was going into Utah, but it seems like the teams now, it's going to be the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers, if they find a a way to work the system enough to where they're able to send a max offer to Kimba Walker, then yeah, that becomes a little bit harder decision. Because if you're Kimba Walker, you're not turning down $100 million to leave the Charlotte Hornets to go away and play for the Lakers on a $23.7 million deal. You're just not doing that. But if they find themselves in a position where they can't offer a max slot again, then yeah, Kimba's got a little bit harder decision because he is going to be closer to a championship with the Los Angeles Lakers, including LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And Mark Stein did report that when everybody thought at least the Lakers had enough money at the time, their top target was going to be Kimba Walker. So if they're able to do it, which the Lakers are actively shopping to try to figure out a way to work the system then Kemba Walker gets back in the party. So you have the Lakers. That would be a very real possibility if they're able to get that max slot back. Indiana is a team that I do think is interesting because they have been linked to uh, some reports that they're interested in D'Angelo Russell and Kemba Walker, a point guard to pair alongside Victor Oladipo. Some of these teams want a really good backcourt. So maybe that would be a team that'd be interesting to watch. New York, Ian Begley says... Kimball Walker doesn't want to go to New York, even though there are people that are really high in the New York Knicks front office on Kimball Walker. So I, I don't I don't think that the New York Knicks are a team that you have to watch out for. But Utah Jazz one less team that you got to worry about if you want him to play for the Charlotte Hornets and just have to worry about, period, in the Kimba Walker sweepstakes. We appreciate you joining us on the Locked On Hornets podcast, the Locked On NBA mock draft. It is underway. It should be finishing up today. Maybe it finished up yesterday, but if you haven't checked it out yet, make sure you go to Locked On NBA and check all of that out. You've got the local experts and every single one of their draft rooms. Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated.com He's got all the player breakdowns. I'll play you a couple of soundbites from him today, but you can get all of his analysis if you go to the Locked On NBA podcast. And if you're a big fantasy basketball player, of course, listen to Josh Lloyd. Great fantasy podcast. One of always the top rated fantasy podcast out there. If you are a fantasy basketball player, he's got all of the rookie fantasy breakdowns for you. That's going to be so much fun to see which guys you want to draft on your team. Maybe there's a sleeper that a lot of people don't know about in your league make sure you listen to Josh Lloyd and he does have all of the fantasy basketball implications for you on that mock draft. So again, all of that is on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're Locked On Hornets and we got plenty of sound for you after the break. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. <sighs> <laughs>
1: Now, here's the funny part. I was listening to this to prep it for the show, and um, my wife walks in and was like, what are you
0: yeah, listening right to? That's a little scary if, if you don't have the context. If you walk in and you start hearing that,
1: yeah. that's Darth Vader. I didn't have pants on. That didn't help <laughs> no, me um,
0: It's time for
1: more of the Locked on Hornets podcast.
0: When you are driving to or from work or around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets, and we'll be there right with you for the drive. Thanks again for joining us here on the Locked on Hornets podcast a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I got plenty of sound for you guys today. Just want to kind of give you a primer on all of the things that you can expect from a lot of different prospects that could be there at the number 12 spot. So we don't have a ton of sound or any really on Zion Williamson. We all know the dude's the real deal. We don't have anything on John Morant. Not going to last to the Hornets. R.J. Barrett. Not going to last to the Charlotte Hornets. We talked a little bit about Darius Garland and Jared Culver, maybe uh, a little bit about Kobe White as well. And so we, we don't have any sound for you on them, but just really all of the prospects that could be there with that 12th overall selection. And so uh, what, let's start with, I, I think, the guy that I think has the most traction at number 12, somebody that, at least for me, maybe you guys feel differently, but a name that I've seen a ton linked to that 12 spot that could be there. And that's Jackson Hayes. Here's what Reed Forgrave of CBS Sports has to say on Jackson Hayes.
1: Jackson Hayes, I think, is a really interesting player. Uh, I'm not sure if he is that star potential guy, but I think he's like a, he could be like a Clint Capella guy who's great when he's surrounded by the right players and the right system.
0: So we know two people that disagree with that take. One is our very own Doug Branson, who thinks Jackson Hayes has an extremely high ceiling. And Paul Biancardi disagrees with Reed Foregrave. He loves Jackson Hayes. I don't know if you've been following the team account. You should. But the Charlotte Hornets, at Hornets, they have Paul Biancardi doing a lot of these draft evals around a lot of these prospects, and he loves Jackson Hayes. If you'll remember from the last episode that we had, Paul Biancardi talked about how if he's there, then he doesn't think that you pass him up. Of course, depending on maybe one of these crazy freak falls happens in the draft. But Jackson Hayes is the guy that he's saying, yeah, you, you don't pass that guy up if he lasts to number 12. And so just interesting comparisons. Clint Capella, you know, I, I think we all like Clint Capella. But you would rather him be better. And I guess if you got Clint Capella with the 12th overall selection, you should probably be happy with that. Hopefully he is able to develop more of an offensive game than what Capella has been able to do. Because right now Capella just dunks it. Let's look at another big man. That also Doug Branson loves a whole lot, and Reed Forgrave actually had something pretty decent to say about him. It's it's a lot of the same stuff that you've heard, but Reed Forgrave here on Bull Bowl, Bowl and the big risk that he is.
1: If you want to take a gamble, I know y'all got enough big men <laughs> that, that haven't quite worked out, but Bull Bowl, Bowl is a fascinating player. Like that's the biggest high risk high reward guy in this draft because you know he's seven three it was like a was like a seven eight wingspan. You can block shots. Uh, and he can shoot the three. Like the best version of him looks a lot like Christopher Porzingis. I'm not sure if he's version. I'm not sure if he can get out and guard in space. Uh, but he is one of those guys that just sort of has tantalizing possibilities too.
0: I'm so scared of Bol Bol. I think a lot of people are. It's one of those things, like I said, where you know, Doug. It's Doug forcing me to select him, but I want to see it happen kind of badly. But I also want to stay away from him because you know the talent is there the dude is shot over 40 percent in the small sample size that he did play with Oregon but the stroke is obviously there and what did Doug give us in one of his crazy mock drafts I think it was Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation discussed that Bobo might be the best shooter in the draft at 7-3 <laughs> it's so stupid and his talent is crazy tantalizing But you wonder about the motor issues. That scares me. I hate drafting guys with motor issues in the NFL or the NBA with motor issues. I hate them in the first round. Hate it. And if Bull Bull has that, then I'm probably staying away. But he does have a freak body. He can protect the rim. He is a good shot blocker. He does get pushed around a lot. But maybe he can gain that weight back after he lost like 30 pounds because he wasn't able to rehab enough because it was a foot injury. But now he's back. He hosts the private workout. Apparently, a lot of people liked what Bull Bull did in the private workout. So maybe there's a team out there that really likes him enough to draft him pretty high. But his range is crazy. So it'll be interesting to see where people decide to draft him. And we'll go to now Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated, since we're kind of sticking to the big guy theme. Here's Jeremy Wu's evaluation on Brandon Clark out of Gonzaga.
1: Brandon Clark, honestly, man, I think, I think the hype has been a little bit Maybe not to it with the way I'm evaluating him personally, and you know I've talked to a lot of people who work on NBA feel the same way. If you're talking about him in the lottery, you know that pick has to be made with a lot of intent, just because of how his age uh, and because of sort of the limitations with his game. Right? I, I, know, I know the Hornets had just had him in this week, um, but uh, you know I'm concerned about his shooting. Uh, I'm concerned about the the lack of length. Um, you know, those, I think this has influenced a little bit. The, the game that I scouted him this year was at North Carolina on Chapel Hill. Uh, and I think he had like three rebounds in that game. And they did a really good job of just making him play in traffic and he had a really hard time. So I think it might be that this, I have sort of a different uh, stance just because that's sort of my lasting memory of him. But I do think that there are some – yellow flags there in terms of what is, about his game is going to translate.
0: Yeah, you guys know I like Brandon Clark a lot. I would be absolutely happy if they decided to take him with that 12 spot. I just think there is an elite defensive ability with him, so I disagree to a, a, a little bit with what Jeremy Wu has to say. The One thing that is interesting he says at the beginning of that soundbite, he says that he's spoken to a lot of people around NBA circles that feel the same way about him, and the only reason that's interesting, look, everybody wants to throw around their credibility, and it's fine. Like You're, you're supposed to do that but everybody's throwing around their credibility about who they talk to it just it would make a lot of sense why we haven't heard his name a lot more as we've gotten closer to the draft because remember brandon clark worked out with the hornets pretty early on in this workout process and i don't think that he had a very good workout with the charlotte hornets and i don't know if there's a ton of other people that like him so much that it just seems like we haven't heard his name a whole lot here recently And so maybe he hasn't had good workouts. He seems more of a guy that when you throw out on a five-on-five situation, he's going to dunk the basketball a lot. He's going to block the hell out of your shot. He's going to give you phenomenal defense, and he's going to average 15 points a game because he's just stronger than everybody else down low. But also, I do think that he's got a touch. You know, he finished very efficiently within that five-foot range within the basketball goal. You guys know I like Brandon Clark a lot, but I'll admit it when... A lot of other people don't like him. It is worrisome. You know, I know he's a polarizing dude, but I'll stand for Brandon Clark. I have no problem with that. I'd be happy with him being that 12th overall selection and for him to be that five that I know he doesn't stretch the floor, but he can defend a damn, like one through five pretty much. I mean, maybe one is a little bit harder, but I think the guy can absolutely develop into somebody that can switch everything. And if you put weight on him, he does need to put a little bit more weight on him. And I get that. I thought he was fine for a while, but I, I did. You, you see the weight come in at the combine. He needs to put weight, more weight on him. But the NBA puts weight on you, dude. Like They do such a good job of making sure that you get bigger. You know, Kevin Durant's the one guy that, that just never got any bigger. You know I mean, look at Giannis. He became a freak. You, know, you look at all of these guys. All of these guys get so much stronger. I think Brandon Clark can get stronger. I also, You don't love his age, but you guys know how I like Brandon Clark. I talked about it a lot early on in this entire process. So those are a couple of the big guy sound bites that we played from Reed Forgrave. Also, Paul Carter. We got plenty more on the other side of the break. Plenty more sound to get to from some of the wings that will be interesting to see if they could fall to the Charlotte Hornets at that 12 spot. We'll talk about it in just a second. It's the Lockdown Hornets podcast.
1: Listening to the Locked On Hornets Podcast.
0: Did he go with Myers Leonard as his first comparison as a big man hitting from the three-point line? Oh, I mean, did I say Leonard? I meant uh, Miles Turner. Okay. <laughs> you did. I think okay. you said Miles Leonard. That was Leonard. on me. Sorry about that. That's a bad mistake. I know when I think shooting big men, Myers Leonard is the first guy that comes to mind.
1: Absolutely.
0: I was thinking Steve Clifford and I might be same wavelength. Hot shot, Myers Leonard. <laughs> that's that's his nickname. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets Podcast. Talking about the wings, the two guards, the small forwards, maybe even the power forwards a little bit. Do that next after discussing some of the big men that could be there. Goga Bittese, we didn't talk about. He did work out for the Charlotte Hornets. Rick Bunnell, Rod Boone, both tweeting out that he's got a good-looking shot. I don't think there's any disputing that. So we could stretch the floor. So he could be certainly in play at number 12. Also, let's go again to the twos, threes, and fours. Let's start with a comment from Paul Cardi on Nikhil Alexander-Walker and what he thinks of him.
1: Well, I love him. I, again, I don't think they need him, but I love him because he's a mature young man with a business like approach. He's, he's improved his game. He works on his game. He reads the game very well, and, and he's a great locker room guy, great teammate. His athleticism uh, shines through at that level. I like everything about Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I, I just think he's going to be a... A really solid pro.
0: I feel like that's a safe pick at that spot. I feel like what is not necessarily something you would call a safe pick, but a high ceiling pick would be Kevin Porter Jr. And here's what Jeremy Wu has to say on KPJ.
1: I think in that part of the draft, you No know, Porter has a good amount of upside. Teams are a little bit, you know, just there's some trepidation just doing the, the background work and, you know, making sure this guy is, you know, going to be like mature and, you know, and, and taking seriously. And I think. Most people agree. You, know, you need to bring him into a team where you've got some type of, you know, culture established uh, where you, know, you can help, help help him, you know, make that adjustment. But uh, you know, I think in that part of the draft, if you're in the late lottery, if you're, you know, anywhere after the 10 or 11, I mean, you know, that's the guy who, can, if you can get him, you know, in the right environment, he can deliver a huge return if you can get, uh, you know, get that.
0: Yeah, Kevin Porter Jr., we've talked about a lot. I think he is somebody there with the highest upside. If you want to take a swing for the fences, I think Kevin Porter Jr. is that guy. He would be very interesting to me. Some guy that I've been pretty down on, Ever since I watched film on him, really, I watched film on him pretty early on, one of the first prospects that I paid attention to. Because we had Jared Morris of the assemblycall.com and the assemblycall podcast, we had him on to talk about the one year that Romeo Langford played at Indiana. Here's what he had to say about him and how maybe he could be a good pro.
1: I think if you're committed to his development, then I think he'd be a great prospect at that
0: point because he does have some of the athletic, you know, he has the athletic ability that you're looking for,
1: uh, and he's a hard worker and, and he's a, you know, an earnest guy that really wants to get better. And so I think I think the shooting can become passable to where the rest of his skills can flourish. But I think if you need him to step in right now and play big
0: minutes or be a starter, you're really going to count on him, you may be disappointed. But I still think he projects into the future three, four, five years as a really, really good player, potentially a great player. I mean, that's, you know, we're one year removed from him having that kind of a
1: scouting report.
0: That shot has to worry you, man. It was just not good last year. And I just don't see Romeo Langford becoming somebody that you can really depend on. The, the one thing that hurts that, that that's tough to evaluate him with is because he had that thumb injury all year long. And he said that it held him back. Of course, he's going to say it held him back. It just matters on how, how much you think it actually did hold him back because he was one of the top prospects coming out of New Albany and in Indiana. You know, he was, I think, the fourth overall guy. Archie Miller was able to get him to go play with the Hoosiers. I, I just am not that high on Romeo Langford. Maybe I'm wrong on him, but it's just not somebody that I would rather draft over a lot of these people. And I feel like not a ton of people have talked about him. I think maybe he slid a little bit during this entire pre-draft process. So, Romeo Langford, somebody, one of the only guys, Doug would say, that I'm down on. Let's look at a local guy in Nas Little. Here's what Paul Biancardi has to say about Nas Little. And, of course, it didn't work out. All that great for him in the one year at North Carolina. Did have a couple of good games in the NCAA tournament. But, overall, just didn't seem to fit at times this season.
1: I have watched Nas Little play in high school as well and put him into our rankings. He got into the rankings, Molly Young, uh, because of his energy, his aggressiveness, his physical body, 6'6". Seven-one wingspan, but for me, little hasn't made the offensive progress uh, that you need for a 12th pick in the NBA draft. I- I'm not real high on him for the Hornets at 12. Uh, he still has some work to do offensively. He shot it at at least 26% from three. I know his three-point shot has gotten better in the workouts. I know he's a worker. Um, he only plays 18 minutes a game at North Carolina. I know the Hornets want to win now like most franchises I don't know if he's the guy who comes in and can give you what you need now to help your team win.
0: I was never really high on him at the beginning of all of this. He has had a good pre-draft process. I think he does probably go somewhere twelve or higher, including to the Charlotte Hornets. I think that would absolutely be somebody that'd be in play. He's kind of grown on me a little bit, but man, I just not enough to where he would he would pass over some of these other guys. I, I just I, I want somebody else. I'm staying away a little bit from Romeo Langford. Nas Little, and here's another guy that I'm not particularly high on, but Reed Forgrave does have good things to say about. I
1: think Rui Hachimura is a really interesting player. Um, there's the side benefit of he, look, he's, he's a big, strong, athletic guy. He's a little bit raw. He's sort of playing basketball late, but like you know, when you're a, especially if you're a small market team. I live in a small market city. You pay attention to things like ticket sales and things like relevance. And Rui Hachimura. It sounds silly. But he's going to be the first uh, lottery pick from Japan. He's going to be playing for the home team in the 2020 Olympics. Uh, there is some sort of intangible thing that he gives
0: to a team. Yeah, we haven't we haven't talked about the intangible there of being the first guy in the lottery drafted out of Japan and maybe selling some tickets that way. You know, I, I don't necessarily see the value in that. At least from the standpoint of we want him to be a good basketball player. I'm staying away from Hachimura. But I just thought it would be interesting that Reed Forgrave would bring that side of things up. You know, the the only time that we get into the business side of things with the franchise is when we talk about tanking or not tanking. Tanking, when we talk about that, is this a team that can survive low ticket sales? Even though the attendance isn't all that high anyway, can they survive something that would go even lower? I think it's a fine argument to have, but when we talk about this bringing in Hachimura to boost ticket sales because he'll bring in a higher international audience, then that's something that I thought was pretty interesting. So there's just another power forward and wing that we've talked about. Here's one other one, though. Paul Biancardi, we asked him on the wake-up call this morning who he would have the Charlotte Hornets select at number 12 and who he predicts they'll take. And this is what he has to say. It's going to be P.J. Washington.
1: I think P.J. would have been a first-round pick last year, but not as high as he's going to be this year. And when you can show the league that you improved on something just in your sophomore year. I think that's very attractive. Again, P.J., size-wise, uh, not, not really you know, dominating in terms of his size, but I like his game better than Naz Little from the offensive end. And versatility-wise, he can not only score from the outside or in the mid-range, but he can defend a couple of different positions. I could see him defending a three or a four as Little does. Little's an excellent switch defender. And a better athlete than P.J., I think P.J. Washington is the better offensive player when it comes to those two. And, again, if he's going to play the power forward position, he'd probably play a small ball four if he was drafted by the Hornets. Uh, but his offensive
0: ability is is better than Little's right now. Yeah. So, and that was also asking him in comparison to Nas Little, who he answered a question previously about, and then goes into P.J. Washington. And that's who he said he would predict the Charlotte Hornets should take, and and he would like it. He would like that pick. Now, I, I bet if Jackson Hayes was there then he would change his answer. But just overall, the guys that he thinks will be there. PJ Washington, that's his guy. So uh, thank you for joining us once again on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed that sound to kind of get you ready for tomorrow. And also we'll have another episode come out tomorrow. We'll also have our live draft reaction after that and that one will play on Friday so still a lot of work to do before the draft tomorrow night and we'll see who the Charlotte Hornets take at number 12 and see if they could take somebody even higher or lower than that deciding on what Mitch Kupchak is going to do thanks again for joining us remember you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts and Spotify and when you get in your car and tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Hornets it's draft day tomorrow we'll talk to you then